So, uh, if I have never met you before, my name is Chris Massey. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. You've kind of met almost all of our staff today. Pastor Mike, our other associate pastor, uh, is out sick today, uh, but we've all had a, had a little bit of time. My professor Tyler's hiding in the back uh, with his wife. No one was supposed to know he's here, but we saw you. <laughs> And uh, just really excited to be able to be together and to worship together. We, we're so glad, you know, on a day like today, when it's sunny and beautiful, you could have chosen to go do anything, but you said, I want to spend some time with my family. I want to spend some time with my church family and with Jesus. And that is such a precious gift to be able to share together. Um, if you are visiting, I'd love to let you know that after our service, right out these doors, we'll be meeting uh, for our Duncan with the pastors. And if we've never had a chance to do that with you before, sit down and get to know you. We would love the chance to just meet you for a few moments one-on-one and get to know each other a little bit. Plus, you get some free donuts. So if, if the pastors aren't enough to allure you, free donuts. That's all I'll say. All right? Well, really, I want to get into a message this morning, uh, ne- this week and next week that kind of was, has been on my heart lately. Um, obviously, there's been a lot going on in the world around us that, regarding our economy. Um, there are a lot of changes taking place right now, That a uh, little bit of fear that's creeping in. You know, prices seem to be going up, wages don't seem to be enough. We're watching all these different things in the markets and investments and retirements, and we're, we're starting to get to the, that kind of uncomfortable place of where are we going to go from here? We're hearing more and more about families questioning, how am I going to make it, Right? Uh, I know my wife and I, we went grocery shopping together on Friday. We don't typically get to do that, but we spent so much money on groceries, Jess is like, we're not shopping next week. So kids, I'm sorry. It was your mom's idea. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's amazing to me what it costs to just feed your family anymore. Uh, It's amazing to me to look at the statistics in our nation uh, of the fact that 77% of families in America are living paycheck to paycheck. And probably of that 77%, there's probably half of them that are living from paycheck to four days before paycheck. And it's really, it's a difficult time. And I think it's really important for us, though, to know that there is a biblical perspective on economics. God has given us a a kind of a roadmap, if you will, of what it means to serve Him with our wealth, with our finances, and how we can give to Him. And I want to kind of, in the onset of this, talk to maybe those of you who in here might be thinking, here we go, it's a fundraiser. We're not talking about a fundraiser this morning. How many of you ever listen to K-Love? Listen to K-Love? Yeah, so this week they've been doing their pledge drive on K-Love. I typically turn it off because I don't want to hear that. And we were in the car the one morning this week on the way to school, and I, I said out loud to the kids, I was like, oh, they're just asking for money. I'll, I don't want to listen to this. And I think Meredith in the back goes, Dad, we literally do that at church every week. <laughs> so don't turn me off, Okay. Um, but I, you know, it's just an interesting perspective, you know, I, I, just an interesting idea to me that I think for a lot of us, when we talk about the concept of giving, when we talk about the concept of being obedient to God and our finances, his plan for our finances, it looks more to us like a fundraiser. And, and I, I, so I just want to say in the very onset here, this is not about a fundraiser. Um, you know, the church, we're doing okay. We're, we're, you know, we just put on a brand new roof and we're living a little bit more by faith now than we were before. Uh, but uh, we're, we're trusting the Lord. But God is faithful. And what this is really about, please hear me in this, or as someone once said, put on your listening ears. Um, please hear me in this. This is about you being blessed. I in my life have seen the blessing of God through obedience to him in my finances. 
I, I could literally stand here for the next 40 to 45 minutes, an hour. I'm sure that there are people in here who could do the same, telling you story after story after story of God's faithfulness through obedience within your finances. And here's the thing. I watch a lot of people who struggle. And there's always this thought that, well, I, I'm struggling. What I need to do is make more money. What I need to do is get a better job. What I need to do is this. And, and I want us to look at what the Bible says that we can do. When we're going through economic uncertainty, how do we manage our dollars and cents? How do we manage our finances God's way? A lot of this, and we'll look at this this week and next week, comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and Jesus is speaking, and he gives this very poignant lesson to his disciples. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's this question that just comes to our core. What is the perspective of wealth? How does God's view of money differ from mine? How does God see finances? You know, I think for us, we look at wealth as something to be attained. Let's just be real honest for a second here. How many of you on a car ride or two, or two have daydreamed about winning the lottery? Right? Right? Is it, that's, it's a wonderful thing to do. You know, nothing else is going on in your brain that day. You've got some extra space. Or, or maybe you're dealing with a, something that's going on, and you're just telling yourself, man, if I could hit that big mega whatever jackpot, I, things would be great. We'd have all the money we need. I wouldn't have to stress anymore. Probably some of you, you know, tell yourselves, uh, as, as I used to when I was younger, Lord, I'm telling you, if you blessed me like that, I'd be so generous. I'd be blessing everybody. I'd be, you know, free Corvettes for all. But here's the thing. God knows our hearts, and he also knows that when we learn how to be faithful in the small things, then we're prepared to be faithful in the big things in our lives. But we dream about this because we think all of our problems can be solved with more money. We look at wealth as something to be attained, but God's perspective of wealth is that it's something to be bestowed. God says, I want to bless you. And I don't know if anybody's ever told you that before. I'm not, I'm not a prosperity preacher uh, that everybody is going to have millions of dollars in their bank. I made the, the mistake this morning of saying that God's going to give us all Cadillacs. That's probably not going to happen. But somebody said they wanted a Range Rover instead. I don't know. If Cadillac's not good enough for you, whatever. Um, but... This is not about prosperity. This is about obedience and getting to the place where God helps us to realize that being rich is not about how much money is in our account. It is about being in the place of blessing where God is taking care of us and watching over us. And so I wanted to look at this because where this really comes from is when the children of Israel were about to enter into the promised land in Deuteronomy, was where we're going to start this morning, that they're receiving this promise from God, you're about to get all of this, it's going to be amazing, and I want you to know when I start giving you these things, here's how you're going to manage it. So in Deuteronomy 14 verses 22 to 23, he says this, you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Here's the really important part here at the end. 
doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Now, if you continue to read a little bit further, he says, hey, if it would be really cumbersome for you to bring all of your flocks and grain and everything to the place of worship, no worries. Just sell all of that off. You can bring money with you, and when you get there, buy whatever you want. But here's why. I want us to sit down and feast together. I want us to sit down and celebrate together and to be able to enjoy a moment where we say, look what the Lord has done. That was God's whole intention behind this concept of tithing and giving to the Lord. It was not a fundraiser for the early church. It was not so that the, the priests and the prophets could be taken care of, though we do see um, in Deuteronomy that he says all the time, the Levites, which are the priests, he says, remember that the Levites among you, they did not get an inheritance. Their inheritance is whatever the Lord gives them through you. But this is not about raising money. This is about God saying, I need you to have a perspective. And we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper here. But this perspective is on what matters most to me. What are my priorities? What do I really believe in? Do I believe in Visa and MasterCard? Do I believe in the all-American dollar? Do I believe in my retirement? Or is my hope, my faith in Jesus? Am I going to be surrendered to God in this way? So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you successful or are you blessed? How many of you would say, I consider myself blessed? How many of you consider yourself successful? Everybody's like, are we allowed to? Like, <laughs> I feel like this is a trick. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that in order to follow God, we have to be unsuccessful. It's not saying that following God means that we're going to be broke and destitute or that we can never have anything go good for us. Uh, but there is a difference between approaching God through the, or, or life I should say, through the purpose of being successful or being blessed. And when we choose to look for the blessing of God, realizing that it is He who takes care of us, that it is He who provides for us, it's not just me and my hard work. But here's what often comes into our thinking. I did it. I'm the one that went to work. It's my blood, sweat, and tears that I get paid for. It's my labors, it's my talent, it's my gift, it's mine, mine, mine. And so God addresses this with Israel a few chapters earlier when he says this in chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. He says that he took care of you so that you would never say to yourself, he's like, you'll never say this, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Now to give you a little bit of history about what's going on when he says this, Israel... 40 years earlier, had been slaves in Egypt. They had nothing. When God freed them from Egypt, you probably know all about Moses and the ten plagues and all that stuff, but maybe in the fine print that you missed on the way out of town, the people of Egypt were like, here, take our silver and our gold, and just gave them all kinds of money as they're leaving town. And they're like, okay, we'll take it. And they leave and they go out into the wilderness where silver and gold really don't mean a whole lot to them. But while in the wilderness, they had no food to eat. They had nothing. There were a couple times that we see recorded in their story that they had absolutely no water. They had no meat. They had no bread. And time and time again, God says, okay, you want meat? Don't worry. I'm going to send so much meat that it's going to be coming out your ears and you're going to wish you'd never seen meat before in your life. What? You don't have bread? Go out tomorrow and there's going to be stuff all over the ground that you can eat. They called it manna, which is Hebrew for, what is this? <laughs> That's literally what it means. The word manna is Hebrew for, what is this? I don't know, but it's good. 
God did that for 40 years for them. And not only that, they had flocks and they had families, and God just continued to cause their families to boom and boom and boom year after year. And they're on the precipice of going into the promised land with all of this incredible wealth, the silver and gold of Egypt, the flocks and herds that have grown up in the the middle of the desert, food that has been given to them for 40 years. And he says, I did all of this so that when you got here to the promised land, you wouldn't look at it and be like, I've done this. He says, no, you'd have to say, I, I, God, am the one who have provided for you. And so that's the difference between being blessed and being successful. You can strive after success. I have known people who have driven themselves to near insanity trying to earn more money, to get more stuff, to have more things. But when you come to the place of saying, God, I just want to find contentment in your blessing." I want to be in a place of surrender where I see your goodness surrounding me so that I can hear from you and know from you that you are so good. Church, that's why our finances and the way that we choose to give back to God is so important. God says, do you believe in you or do you believe in me? Do you believe that I'm your provider, that I'm the one taking care of you, or do you believe it's just you? Because I've shown throughout history that I can take ragtag people who are slaves and set them up with everything that they need to be considered the most prosperous people in the world. By the time of King Solomon and the building of the temple, Israel is like the richest nation in the world from a ragtag group of people who were slaves and just came out of there because God said so. Church, it's so important for us to grasp this reality of what God has given to us, but there's something just a few verses before that I want us to look at because here's the warning that I hear from God. And this is the warning that he gives to Israel because he knows he's about to bless them. He knows that he's about to give them everything that they could ever want. But he says, I know that in the midst of giving you everything, I have a concern. And here's what his concern is. You read this in verses 6 through 14. God's, uh, Moses is writing this and he says, Obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him, meaning showing reverence for him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and the hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. Keep in mind, for 40 years these people have been eating, what is it? 40 years of the exact same meal every day. God's like, I'm going to give you all this stuff. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is as abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Then we get this quote from the Lord. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God. When I was 16 years old, I uh, got my driver's license. This was way back in the day when they kind of just gave it to you. They're just like, oh, you're 16? Here you go. Go drive. 
remember having a conversation where I sat down and my parents, you know, it's kind of a sobering moment and they're looking at me and every parent knows this fear when your kids begin to drive as mine are getting close to that age. I have that fear. Son, you need to understand that driving is a great thing. It represents freedom. It represents your ability to go and do what you want to do. It represents maturity and growth that you're, you're growing up. It represents all of those good things. But, please hear me, son. If you are not careful, you could really hurt yourself or somebody else. Because we all know stories of someone who lost a teen driving recklessly. Right? And so as my kids are getting closer, I think about that. And, and I wish I'd have listened to them because, to be honest, through my teenage years, I drove very recklessly. If not for the grace of God, there's no reason I should be alive today. But I look at that moment and I can, I can sense that same parental concern that God has for His people that He's speaking to Israel in this moment because here's the reality. God wants to bless you. He really does. If it was up to God, everybody, he's like, man, I want you to have a big, nice house and I want you to have all the things that you need and have plenty, so much that you're blessing your neighbors and giving to them and I want your car to have 500 horsepower. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, that came out. Let's just take a second. This is what God wants. He says, I want to bless you. He said, but I know there's a consequence that comes with blessing. Because once you've become blessed, once you're sitting in your big, beautiful home, once you're driving your beautiful car, once you've got so much money you can afford to go grocery shopping at Giant Eagle. <laughs> Who can afford that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I saw Donald Trump in there. I was like, wow, there you go. He said, where's Aldi? Where's Aldi? <laughs> what? He goes, I want to give you all of that. But once you have all of those things and you've, you're, you're thinking about, look at this great car I'm driving. Look at this beautiful house I own. Look at the places I can afford to shop. Look at the things I can afford to buy. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. He says, there's going to be a temptation. And in that moment, you're going to be tempted to look at all of it and say, look what I have done. And he says, it's in that moment you've got to be the most cautious and be careful not to forget the God who gave you every blessing. Later on, we see Jesus tell his disciples that it is really difficult for people with wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Is it because God hates money? No. But God sees time and time again throughout history, thousands and thousands of years, He's watched His creation make the very same mistake over and over again. We've got plenty. We have no need for God. And that was His heartbreak when He looked at Israel. He said, listen, you're going to get all of this and it's going to be a great land and it's going to have everything you could ever hope for and all the things you ever dreamed about and you're going to be living in these beautiful houses and it's going to be awesome. But my worry for you, kids... My worry for you, my treasure, my precious, my own, is that you're not going to remember me after that point. You're going to sit back and say, look what I've done. And church, it happens to us, any of us. It happens that we get to the place of thinking that everything we've amassed is it's ours. It belongs to me. I worked hard for it. I did it. 
I accomplished it. I saved or I worked or I did whatever. And God says, it's in this moment of blessing that I'm most concerned for you because if you turn your back and begin to think that the things you have are by your hand, you literally take the stopper on the blessing and clog it up. I I, I can't help you anymore. Now it is all on you. It's all on you. I want to ask you, who is your master? Who is your master? Because that's what Jesus brought up in uh, Matthew 6, verse 24. He says, you can't have two masters. You know, God is so good to bless us with things that we need. And even as Pastor Mike said earlier, things that we just want. And I've been so amazed in my life, and I'm so grateful. You know, I had parents when I was a kid that when I got my very first paycheck, they sat me down on the couch and they said, all right, how much did you get? And back then, and I'm sure some of you can beat this, but back then, minimum wage was $5.15 an hour. And I had a paycheck for like 85 bucks. And, you know, being, I, I was 15 or 16, I thought I worked really hard for that $85. Then I was introduced to some dude named Uncle Sam. And when I saw how much I got, it was gross. You'll get that later. Yeah. (laughs) My parents sat me down and they said, all right, you just got a paycheck. The first thing you need to do is honor the Lord. And I'm like, honor the Lord? He didn't work at Food Lion this week at the cash register. That was all my, I'm like, you see these fingers? Magic. I said, no, this is the time that you sit down and you honor the Lord. So I did. After my net pay of like $62, I wrote a tithes check for $8.50. Woo! But I was doing math in my head. I'm like, now I'm down to $54. I worked all week for $54. I'm so grateful that my parents taught me that right then and there because they wanted to instill in me Son, you need to choose right here and now who's your master going to be. With your first paycheck, choose right here and now who's your master going to be. Are you going to be a slave to money? Are you going to be a slave to wealth and jobs and earning? Or are you going to be a person of faith who says, my God shall provide all of my needs? And can I tell you, I'm so grateful that God did that for me. But I know that there are some of you here that didn't have that opportunity. Nobody ever gave you the opportunity to sit you down and show you that the way you prioritize your finances, the way that you give to the Lord, speaks directly to who your master is in your life. And I have been so blessed throughout the years as I watch God time and time again just take care of my family. Listen, we have never gone hungry. Ever. We, I mean, I don't want to say it's as miraculous as Jesus feeding the 5,000, but I can tell you, I look back on times of feeding my family of five, and I don't know how we made it, but we did because the Lord's good. I don't know. But church, I see a blessing that God wants to pour out on your lives, and it is directly tied to this decision that you need to make. Who is your master? Because God says, I want to bless you. I want to give you everything that will bless you and take care of you. I want to give you abundance. But my worry for you is that if I give you all of those things, you might become convinced that it's actually yours and not mine. And church, God wants us to live in such a way 
that everything we have is his. Everything that if God says, hey, give this, I'm like, okay, God, take it. It's yours. Take it. You're my master. You're the God that I serve. You're the God that I follow. It is your provision that I believe in. It is your direction for my life that I believe in. I receive the blessing of not having it all be on me, God, because I put it all on you. And you know what? I've never seen God fail me. Ever. And I know that in this moment, as I said before, Satan would love to use this as an opportunity to say, oh, they're just here it is. Here's the big ask, the big give. They're, they want your money. They want your money. Church, I don't want your money. Can I, can I tell you something? I, and I mean this as a promise to you. I've made this promise in ministry for the last 20 years. I have no idea who in this church or any other church gives or does not give. I intentionally do that because I don't want to know. I don't ever want to treat people differently. So your giving is between you and the Lord. But can I tell you this? The blessing that God wants to give you is also between you and the Lord. And I want that to happen. I want to see you blessed. I want to see what David said. He says, I was young and now I'm old and I have never in my life seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread because they are so blessed and even their offspring are blessed. They are so generous and they just give of themselves and the more they give, the more God gives back. In church, I've met people in my life. I've lived it on my own that I see I can't outgive God. Every time I try, He gives it back to me. And there'll be people who look at things that, that I have. Man, how could you afford that? How? I'm telling them, I can't. I couldn't have afforded it. God was just that good. He blessed me with it. And church, I want that for us. And so my encouragement for you is we're in economic upheaval. As you're worried about your paycheck, as you're worried about how much your groceries are costing, how much your gas is costing, how much your electric bill is going up, as you're worried about all of those things, as you're sitting in the place where who am I going to, who am I going to prioritize here? What am I going to give to? How are we going to make it? Can I ask you this question? Who is your master? Because there reaches a point in time where you're never going to make enough money to be satisfied. We watch it all the time. We see people all the time in the news. They have all the money in the world and they're miserable. Because despite our daytime dream that the lottery would fix everything, it doesn't. I choose Jesus for my master. And I can tell you that for my lifetime that I've been doing that, I wouldn't trade a second of it back. That's just how good he is. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful for your goodness in my life. Lord, I just absolutely 100% know as I look back across my own story that there have been many seasons that we survived just because of you. It didn't make sense. It didn't add up. But you took care of us anyway. And God, from my heart, I am so thankful to you. I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to my family. And God, I just pray right now that you would begin to raise up a faith inside of us, God. This very important question that we need to wrestle with. Who's my master going to be? Who is my master going to be? Am I going to be a slave to money and wealth? chasing a paycheck and building an empire and buying the next thing that I hope is going to bring me peace? Or am I going to give in and say, God, 
I am yours. Everything I have is yours. And anything you desire to give me or withhold from me, I'm okay with it because it's all yours. God, I pray that you would help us to make that decision well. To choose you. To hear the warning that you gave to Israel. That in our blessing, we would not sit back and think that we are the ones who have done it. We would not forget you that we would use every blessing of our lives as an opportunity to turn back and worship you, fellowship with you, celebrate your faithfulness with you. We thank you, God, just for how good you are. If you're here today, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you while everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed. And Maybe you're here today and you think to yourself, I wish I could be more generous or I wish I could be more faithful in terms of serving the right master, but I don't know how to do it I know God's going to have to help me. But I want to make that decision. If that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I do want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands across the room. I want to make that decision to put God first. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand with me as we close out in prayer together? I will say this time and time again. There is a huge chasm between wanting and doing. I want to be generous, but God, you're going to have to help me be generous. I want to bless others. God, you're going to have to help me to do that. I want to be faithful to, the, to you, Lord, but you're going to have to help me do that. And I want to pray for you because these are pivotal moments where God's speaking a challenge to your heart and it's giving you the opportunity to say, okay, God, I hear you this time. And I choose you. I choose you instead of me. So Lord, I just pray right now for every person in here who raised their hand, those who are wrestling with how to manage their finances in a biblical way. God, that we would not allow money and wealth to be a stumbling block. Not just something to be sought after or attained. That we would truly come to the place of realizing that when we seek you, when we honor you, when we put you first, you take care of everything. You are our provider, God. You are the one who takes care of us. We don't lack any good thing because of your faithfulness. But Lord, it takes that commitment, that covenantal commitment with you that we say, God, I choose you as my master. I choose to sacrifice in some other areas of my life, even though they might seem impossible, to put you first and to choose you in my life. God, I pray that you will just direct our steps and help us. That this wouldn't be a moment that gets stolen away by the enemy, but a moment in which we truly make a decision to serve you and the plans that you have for our lives so that you can bless us, Lord. We thank you. We honor you. We give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, take a step in your generosity this week. Whatever that looks like, help somebody, bless someone, give something to the Lord to entrust into his hands because he's faithful and he's worthy of praise. Love on each other and allow the love of the Lord to encourage you today. If you need prayer, our prayer team would love to meet with you in the front this morning to pray with any needs that you may have. But have a blessed day and love on the Lord.